Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening. Welcome to this week's Man on the Post Extra Time. I am Chris. I am your host. Uh, and with me this week, I've got Mark. All right? Yes, all right. Hello. How was the last week? You were in Milan, weren't you, last week? No, Turin. I was in, well, it, well, yeah, northern Italy. I was in Milan and mostly Turin, though. Yeah? Mm-hmm. How was that? Uh, it was all right. I can't complain. Well, no. No, I don't suppose you could do, could you, if you were there? Like, all bought and paid for by work, so even better. None of your own money. Not a, not a, not a single lira of my own money spent. Is this the start of some right Fred said song? Is it? Are you going to be uh, in New York and Japan before long? <laughs> I'm a model. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right. I've got a sh- I've got a shaved head, so I'm I'm kind of on the right track to be the the fourth member and the third bald member of Right Said Fred. Yeah, you got the campness as well. Oh, how dare you! <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you had to cough at the end there. Yeah. Uh, right, well this week we're going to talk about the League Cup, um, it was quite a lot of news and transfers this week, we're going to be talking about the FA Cup and uh, Norwich is our five-a-side team, uh, we're going to talk about, so first of all, um, we'll talk about Liverpool, shall we, we'll do this chronologically, chronologically. Um, Liverpool nil state one, Arnautovic scored, Liverpool wins 6-5 in penalties, it was offside wasn't it, their goal? Um, do you know, I only actually saw extra time because I was out at... Uh... Top of the table, Evo Stick, Premier Division clash between Blythe Spartans and Salford City. So I only saw extra time in the Liverpool Stoke game. You were Salford, you saw Salford City, did you? They were up at Blythe Spartans playing in a, as I say, a first v second league clash. Yeah, and Blythe won two one. Did they? Um, how mental, bonkers, or annoying are their two managers? Um, they were quite subdued actually until close to the end when they got a goal back and, and nearly forced a draw when they shouldn't have done but apart from that they were um, they weren't as mad as uh, BBC had made them out to be in their documentary and so on no how was um, did Seddon play I remember him from the documentary he was quite a good player wasn't he oh I don't I don't, I don't remember he was up front from uh, if he was he had a quiet game yeah okay yeah. Um, no, back to Liverpool. Back to Liverpool. Yeah. No, I only saw extra time and penalties, so I, 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 I can't even remember what, how their goal was. To be honest, uh, it was kind of a sort of cross into the sort of ten yards out um, across the face of the goal, and Arnautovic sort of taps it in. He was offside by about half a yard. You can understand mm. kind of why he missed it. Um, what's it like watching a penalty <coughs> shootout as a neutral? Then, um, well, I wouldn't really have classed myself as a neutral the other night, as you can imagine. Being um, oh no, being an Everton fan, in yeah. the yeah in the anybody but Liverpool brigade yeah, but um, as a neutral, I always I think most people do they tend to to go for the underdog and on history wise and everything else you would you would say Stoke were the underdog despite the fact they won the tie or the won the won the leg anyway, 
uh, and there isn't a hell of a lot of difference between the two teams, either on paper or when you look at them in the league table. Is this redemption for Simon Bingley and his uh, new five-year contract? No, I think he'll, he'll be a penalty shootout, um, a bit of a one-off event, isn't it, or a very rare event. And um, he'll be back to getting vilified shortly enough when he makes errors at crosses or corners and so on. Yeah. So I think it's only temporary relief for him. Are they lotteries, shootouts, do you think? Um, a, a little bit, because... Although at this level, you know, look at the players who are taking the penalties. Most of them are top class, or certainly um, very good Premier League players. A lot of them were top class international players. Um, so they should all, even if they were, you know, supposedly donkey defenders, have excellent technique and ability and, and the nerve to take penalty shootouts under pressure in that situation. I think it's just a, a lot of the time it's um, a case of whether the goalkeeper goes the right way and makes the makes the reaction or not sometimes it's it's not necessarily a, I, I can't remember who it was I think it was I think it was whoever was the first Stoke player to miss Crouch Pete Crouch Crouch I don't think his penalty was actually that bad I think he hit it well enough I think he hit it fairly well to the corner just that Mignolet anticipated it very well and got down quick mm. so a, a lottery to a certain extent yeah yeah well, you usually find, and I, I think people have looked into this before, when you've had teams going into penalty shootouts, that a vast majority of the time the supposedly better team actually come out on top. It's so, somebody's looked at it, and it is something like eighty percent of the eighty or ninety percent of the time, the uh, apparent favourites tend to win. Yeah, the more you practice, the luckier you get. Um, well, Peter Crouch is Marco Mignetta, um miss for Stoke. Joe Allen scored the decisive penalty. Uh, Klopp, before Everton and Manchester City kicked a ball, declared that Liverpool were going to be winners <laughs> of the competition. Um, which kind of brings us on to Wednesday night. Manchester City 3, Everton 1. I'm going to listen. I don't think there's any point in me going... Well, I'm going to go two ways here. I could either rant and go well over the allotted time that Ross gives us to... To talk on these podcasts. What and, would make you feel better? And well over the time that anybody wants to hear me do it. Or I could really sum it up. What's going to make me feel better? Well, I think I've probably done all the, the bitching and moaning I'm going to do at home. So I think to sum it up, it was the least surprising outcome, to be honest with you. Um, and I, I don't know if, if I'd come on a podcast since the first leg and we'd talked about it, but... I certainly thought that a one-goal advantage was never going to be enough um, going back to Manchester City because Manchester City weren't going to play as um, poorly as they did in the first leg against Everton and Everton certainly couldn't have played the way they played in the first leg again. You know, So it was always doubtful whether uh, a one-goal advantage would be enough and so it proved. Um, Everton... Really just, I mean, they did well enough in the first half, uh, took the lead, uh, did pose a threat to City on the break, and it was a fairly even game at, the, at half-time, even though it was 1-1. City, City got lucky with a deflected goal. Um, incidentally, the, the third consecutive game where Everton have conceded a, a very lucky, massively deflected uh, goal. But what came in the second half was pretty much just a, weak capitulation by Everton 
um, which is becoming something with trademark or a signature of Roberto Martinez's team over the last 18 months. Um, the Raheem Sterling cross, I, I'm not entirely convinced the whole ball was out. Uh, I'm, you know, I've only seen it briefly. Um, Roberto I, think Martinez- I think there's just you and the fella who was on the line who who might take that view. I think, from from my point of view, and the camera angle and the first time watching at full speed, I thought it was out. The two or three people I was watching the game with all thought it was out first time round, and I don't think any replay would convince me otherwise. The referee's in the wrong position to see it because he's further back from the play, so he can't really tell. So he's relying on the, the linesman to be able to see it. Unfortunately, the linesman's on the other side of the pitch... He's got both posts and a fair bit of distance between himself and the ball and potentially defenders. And also he wasn't right up with the goal line himself. He was more uh, towards the edge of the 18-yard, between the 18-yard box and the 6-yard box. Um, so he wasn't even level with it to be able to see. So it was a bad decision. It was the wrong decision. But, um, again, I don't even think I would blame that. Well, no. it's 19 shots for Vice City compared to Everton's mm-hmm. four. Yeah, Martinez made um, bad substitutions at the wrong time as well. I think everybody was surprised he made them so early, and the, and the the people he took off, I think, were the um, were the very questionable. But it was um, yeah, over the two legs, I think we we got what we deserved in the end. I think we just weren't we weren't strong enough. We didn't want it enough, um, and again, that's just indicative of um, this bunch of players and the manager in particular um, Roberto Martinez said the defeat was very very hard to take because of the Sterling incident, um, Phil Jagielka called Martin Atkinson the referee a little bit arrogant mm-hmm. um, one Everton fan got so upset with me on Twitter he sent me a direct message asking me where I lived oh really? yeah <laughs> So yeah. Even, if you told, even if you told him exactly where you lived, it's a bit far to come I think isn't it? Well yeah, you imagine we're in a complete and utter rage coming down the M6 the whole time, or down the M5 it's a very long way to be angry for. Yeah. Um, but I think the anger is starting to get more and more palpable amongst the fans. Even the ones who uh, Martinez sympathises, I think, are starting to turn and turn quite quickly. And I think what's also frustrating is that he, he is absolutely hell-bent on, on this entire way of doing things that he can't see that it's not working and he, or he refuses to arrogantly refuses to believe that there is another way to do things and that's fine if you, you're doing well and you're winning mm. but when you're not and it's blatantly not working and hasn't worked for 18 months or more um, you've got to you've got to think of a change his whole philosophy is not built around winning I think what people are starting to realise that now although I think a lot of us thought that right from the start or were a bit unsure there is no winning mentality in him and he does not instill that in the players and I think that's what people see as frustrating because there, there, there are some excellent players with um, lots of ability and in a, in a way he's, he's ruining some of these players uh, John Stones is probably a good point to make about that and people might think I'm a bit crazy there but he, he's, I think he's come to the point where he's filled John Stones' head with this absolute belief that he's infallible that now John Stones goes himself goes out to the pitch with absolutely no concept of in, um, of fallibility or what he can and can't do and what he should or shouldn't do. That his his head's all over the place and and okay he was played out of position the other night, but he was absolutely all over the shop. 
You're not the first no, person I think who said that. He's instilled week. that in virtually every other player that's in that scene. Yeah, you're not the first person, first person I've seen this week to point out to single out John Stones. Yeah, I mean the kid's going to be gone in the summer, one way or another. I mean whether he's worth forty million, fifty million, whatever your opinion is, he's not going to be at Everton next year. Um, and and to be honest with you, I think it's better if he's not for his own career because I think Everton and Martinez are ruining the potential that he might have. And anybody who says he can't defend. Um, hasn't watched him enough because he can defend and he's a very good defender. The problem is, as I said, I think Martinez is encouraging to, or has, has almost brainwashed him into forgetting about defending. Yeah. All right. Well, you can sit up from the couch now. I feel like Marge Proops. <laughs> Strangely, think... you look a little bit like her as well. Do you think? It was the beard. <laughs> I think it's the beard and the, the really iffy perm. <laughs> um, have you seen some transfers this week? Um, not really, no. Uh, Andros Townsend in Newcastle for twelve million. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's a good buy. I think he's a good player. I'm surprised. I, I think he's had a falling out with uh, Pochettino or somebody in the staff there. But I was always surprised that he never got more of a of a run at at Spurs because I've always liked him as a player. Is that his fault or is that the manager's fault for not playing him? The, what the fallout or the fact that he's never got a, not a run so, for not playing well maybe it's his maybe he's just not been consistent enough I don't know but as I say I, I think he's a good player ok um, Ashley Cole's on to LA Galaxy to relive not, uh, the World Cup 2006 yeah, for Steven Gerrard yeah that's probably the least surprising transfer in history yeah uh, Emmanuel Adebayor has gone to Crystal Palace for until the end of the season but that's a week after Charlie Austin signed for Southampton for four million surely you'd been better off going for him mm, yeah well whoever you are you're taking Ander Bayor you're taking a bit of a gamble mm. um, whether he can sustain his uh, interest in any club longer than three months is up for debate and he's not played for a certain amount of time I think he's been training on his own all season yeah. um, training with Tottenham so but uh, as far as I'm aware Crystal Pass of are not particularly shelling out any money for him. No. <laughs> so, <clears throat> what have they got to lose? I mean, if he if he kicks up and and starts acting himself, what are they they can just get they can bin him. I'm sure. Pardew and Adebayor together, though. Well, I mean, Sherwood got the best out of him in, in recent times, and you know that that's a partnership that could ignite at any moment. So, Pardew could get absolutely fantastic things out of him when you'd think that that could just combust yeah um, Alexander Prato almost at Chelsea and Ramirez have you seen this he's gone to yeah. Su Sunning in China for £25 million pounds. yeah cra- there, crazy for him to do that there's communism at work yeah well I think um, didn't Drogba go to, to China and, and not for supposedly hundreds of thousands of pounds a week and stuff and never got paid a penny yeah and then Yukubu as well he went didn't he <laughs> Um, and it's not as if it's not as if Ramirez is in that stage of his career either. He's still, I, I guess, probably late twenties. He's still playing for a top Premier League side. He, he, he could drop down to, I don't know, Liverpool or Stoke. What? He doesn't, have to, he doesn't have to bugger off to China to get a game. What do you mean by drop down to Liverpool? Well, there's a difference between um, Chelsea and Liverpool, isn't there? Well, this is a, this is a new podcast in itself. There <laughs> <laughs> um, with the pot there a little bit. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, well, I know what you mean. Palinio's gone out there as well, hasn't he? At the peak of his career. 
he was an interesting case because he ended up at Spurs, didn't really do a lot at Spurs, somehow was a Brazilian international, don't not exactly sure how, but didn't he sort of jump around a few really low European clubs in places like Scandinavia before he ever made it to the Premier League? I've got no idea. Yeah, I think he didn't have a particularly um, stratospheric career. To, you know, I, I don't think he came from Brazil and then went to like Bayern Munich or Porto or one of these this kind of route that a lot of those Brazilian players do. I think he ended up. You know, we could have a look on um, on Wikipedia probably and find out. But I've got a feeling he had a bit of a uh, low key route to the top level. Let's say. Right. Let's have a look. Paulinho, footballer. Um... Vilnius, yeah. Uh, Lodge. Bragantino Corinthians yeah so it's hardly a stellar career to then end up at Tottenham for a big transfer fee and everything no no I suppose not and uh, uh, quite a lot of Brazilian caps you know 30 odd Brazilian caps yeah um, and Nemanja Vidic has retired uh, mm. someone from Man of the Post tweeted earlier on that the thought of going to Aston Villa has made him retire <coughs> I saw that that was a cheeky little dig there yeah Probably I, true, mind you. Well, yeah. He was a good player, wasn't he? I mean, I th- I, he'd got MLS mm. written all over him, hadn't he? No, I think he he was a very good player in his time, but I think a lot of serious injury had caught up with him even before he'd left Manchester United. So, um, his, obviously, his legs had just gone, even even to the point where MLS couldn't take him. <laughs> he'd be on there. Yeah. Uh, right, well, in other bits of news, uh, Melbourne victory beat Sydney FC 1-0. That's the big blue derby. Uh, Matthew German scored. Um, Fernando Torres is going to return to Milan after the season ends um, uh, have you seen this one about the Chinese electronic company no they Chinese electronic firm Ledman uh, again this is more communism at work um, they're sponsoring the second tier of Portuguese football um, and one of their demands was for 10 Chinese players to feature for 10 of the teams in that division they dropped that demand though Hmm. Um, Interesting. I mean, that that kind of tallies up with um, back in the early two thousands. Everton was sponsored by a Chinese mobile phone company, and within days of Everton signing that sponsorship deal, um, and we had they were sponsoring the shirts. I think for two years, uh, Li Tai and Li Wai Feng showed up um, as new signings and played how many games? Uh, Li Tai must have played probably 20-odd games. Lee Wai Feng, I think, played one substitute appearance and then was never to be seen again. Oh, really? He, yeah. He went on holiday with Alex and I, okay. <laughs> Yeah, he was... Uh, yeah, he buggered off pretty quick. <laughs> and um, Dimitar Berbatov uh, was criticised after his team, PAO Salonika, lost 1-0 to AK Athens at home. Um, he was criticised for a lack of commitment. So, uh, he interviewed himself. He described himself as journalist Dimitar Berbatov um, and asked himself far-reaching questions such as, some say you don't want to play for POKN anymore. Uh, and his answer was, um, this is why I'm giving you this interview. It's not true. So he interviewed himself in the third person. I don't know. That's, that seems very narcissistic. That's, that's take, yeah, that's taking the whole third person thing just that little step further, isn't it? I mean, he's, he's up the bar for the likes of Zlatan or... Uh, you know, Amir Khan to use a pick somebody from a different sporting field who who tends to do that. Yeah, that's very odd, isn't it? Um, right, well, should we should talk about the FA Cup then. Go on then. Why not? We'll, we'll do that. Well, at the moment, Manchester United are you said drawing one-one with um, mm-hmm. Derby County. Uh, they need a Mark Robbins moment. 
Um, but they've only, they've only lost one in the last five. That was last weekend at home to Southampton. But it's not looking good, is it, on the pitch? No, the Southampton game, the Norwich game before that, it's uh, it's very reminiscent of the the last days of David Moyes, really. There's not a hell of a lot of difference, except what's on the field for Manchester United has cost them a lot of money. It's very odd, isn't it? I mean, mm. you... It's very odd when, you, when you, you've gone from having someone there for so long for the you know the twenty six twenty seven years that Fergie was there, and then they've had two chances to get it right since, and they failed both times. My my opinion of Manchester United is that they've been the fans and, and and us as neutrals, we've been used to a certain way of Manchester United play this a certain system, a certain style with with wingers and two forwards, uh, aggressive midfielders, but. All, all threaded with good, fast attacking play. And since Ferguson left, that's gradually disappeared. Now, the players they brought in, whether they aren't up to the skill levels that we've, we've seen in the last 20-odd years, or whether they just aren't the right characters to deal with playing for such a big club and they're shrinking under the pressure, it's, it's hard to say. Um, but also, I think the way they're set up, all the players they've brought in to fit a certain system isn't something that any of us are used to from Manchester United in, in the recent in recent history. So I think it's more it's a it's a shock to us, isn't it? But um well, it's great yeah, to watch. He, he is under he is under big pressure now and I think his his reputation and his name is carrying him further than it would do it certainly would have done for David Moyes, um or a lesser man with lesser lesser um Qualifications on his CV. It's certainly good fun to watch. Oh yeah, because he's he's round the twist, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He's um he's quite eccentric. Yeah, it makes his children call him sir. Victorian dad. Yeah, Victorian dad. Yeah, <laughs> that's one for the teenagers, isn't it? Victorian dad from the Viz. Yeah. Yeah, that's a misspent youth you had. <laughs> <laughs> I still get it. Is he still going? This, yeah, yeah, I've got his Profanosaurus. Oh yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's in every um, every edition as well. No, I've got it's uh, like a sort of two three hundred page volume. I got. Ah uh, yeah, well no, they put obviously put regular snippets of that in the back of the Viz every two weeks or however or four weeks whenever it comes out. I can't remember. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I was thinking about something. Somebody at work um, was told by their um, boyfriend that they had a wizard sleeve. And she didn't know what it meant, and she asked me, <laughs> <laughs> and I had to explain. <coughs> uh, where have you? If, if you don't know what that means in Great Britain in 2016, you've been living under a rock. It's hardly a, an obscure reference now, is it? Uh, no, they've had a very sheltered upbringing, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, well, Derby themselves haven't done too great. They since Boxing Day, when they were top, they've got two points out of 15, and are mm-hmm. now fifth. Um, I mean, they've lost four-one to Burnley, and. Um, uh, I think they lost three of somebody else as well, but they've fallen off the cliff themselves, haven't they? They've done a derby, really, haven't they? Yeah, they, didn't they do exactly this around about the time this time last year too? Yeah, and it ended up costing them. Um, but you tend to find that I think a lot of times with with teams who are at the top of the championship, they go well for spells of six or seven games where they win six and draw one, for example, and then they go and lose four on a bounce. And I mean, you've seen it with Middlesbrough; they look seemingly calm and serene and they were going to waltz off into the distance just a couple of weeks ago 
and they've gone and lost to Bristol City, who are down the bottom, and Nottingham Forest, who are somewhere in the middle, and all of a sudden they're, you know, they're not looking so nailed on for an automatic slot, and, and it'll happen to, you know, Burnley have shot up the table, but mm. they're not going to be, nobody can sustain that in the Championship, and that's what makes it so interesting and so much fun, I suppose, is that it is so tight, and you, it's very rare you see somebody walk away with that division. Yeah. Um, well, it is. You would expect Manchester United, I suppose, to win that, but it is very close, isn't it? I mean, you wouldn't be surprised if it stayed at one-one or, or went to a replay, would you? <coughs> no, not at all. No. Um, Carlisle Everton. Is this where the shock's going to be? I think the the whole romance of the cup and the the story. This is where the story lies. If there is going to be one in the third round, I think. Um, and the way Everton have been playing recently. I don't think they've got. I don't think they've got a heart. This this bunch of players, Carlisle will be absolutely chomping at the bit to get at them. Um, I, would, I was going to say that the pitch will be a quag, uh, quagmire, but um, it won't, of course, because it's been freshly laid, new laid uh, pitch. But there'll be seventeen, eighteen thousand there, full house, the biggest tenders they've had in twenty five odd years. Um, so you know, it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that ended up go into a replay do you know what I've got this theory that a small team draws a big team at home in the cup mm. and they meet beforehand and they say I tell you what we'll, it will give you the big team says we'll let you, let you draw against us at your place and you get the money bags at our place with the um, the gate receipts as long as you let us beat you that's a very Everton thing. <laughs> That's a very Everton style carve up that I can imagine happening. You know, we're we're we're, we're too nice for our own good. I could see that certainly playing out. But do you think that must have happened loads? Be naive to think it's yeah. never happened. You're insinuating there that people are determining the match result before it happens, which would be illegal. Yes, of course, and, and would never ever happen. Of course. What gets me is about this. Just to, to finish any Everton conversation is that if Everton lose bear in mind that we're down in 13th in the league now with supposedly a superb squad we capitulated the other night to Manchester City in the semi-final of a cup when we could have been playing another Mersey, all Merseyside final and if we lost to Carlisle that would get most managers the sack and Martinez's win ratio in the last 18 months is about 26% do you know right. what I'm honestly more pleased to be playing Man City in the final than Everton uh, well, I mean, you would beat us, but the um, that would get most managers sacked. But the thing is, he, he, even if we lost against Carlisle, he is as safe as houses while the, this current Everton board is in place. They will never sack him, and that that was that's what makes the frustration even more frustrating because you, there's no end in sight to it, you know, and that that's what makes it uh, so unpalatable. Um. Well. Carlisle are the lowest ranked team left and they've got no wins in January um, and their last four games have been draws although one of that, those does include the penalty shootout win versus Yeovil um, but it is their first game back at Brunton Park since yeah. uh, Storm Desmond yeah. back at the start of December I can't yeah. wait for Storm Port Pie uh, <laughs> you're um, <laughs> another reference to the kids there yeah. you're, um, you are just really stoking more calls into the fire there to say that this is nailed on for a Carlisle win well I kind of am because I think the occasion will be enormous for Carlisle and it's such a big thing for them and for the town and the fact that so many players are involved with helping mm. out with 
with the efforts of, of getting Carlisle, the city or the town back on its feet, that it's mm. going to be a massive occasion for them. And yeah. they could well be up for it more than your chaps. It wouldn't be a shock. So I would, uh, uh, you shouldn't say this as a, as a supposed top Premier League side at a League Two side, um, but I would take a draw. <laughs> really, I would. Yeah. That's where that's that's where my expectations are right now. Okay. Um, the other one I've written down for a possible upset is Aston Villa versus Manchester City, which isn't as bonkers as you would first think because hmm. um, where are we now? The Villa are unbeaten in five games, um, and City have won two out of nine away in all competitions. Yeah, they haven't played well away from home. No. At any point this season, I don't think. Um, of course, they've got Neil. Neil course, did, sorry, yeah, De Bruyne is injured now as well. He's he's been their best player, consistently their best player this year. Yeah, they had a nil nil when they met, didn't they, a couple of weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Aguero's looking back to his best though. Whether whether he'll start or not, I don't know. But it depends. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> how City prioritise it? They're, they're in the League Cup final now. Champions League starts in a few weeks' time again. Um, we've got we're coming into the real crux of the league season where are they going to prioritise the FA Cup although Pellegrini is going to want to want to go out on as many highs as he can if he is going out on his arse and Guardiola is going to come in he's going to want to go out there saying well I did this so I've got, I can hold my head up high but Villa have got nothing to lose now you know there's no, is there any point to them playing a weakened team to save themselves for league games at this stage knowing how far they might as well play the get. They might as well play a full team, go out and give it a go, potentially win and build some confidence, and then who knows where it could lead from there. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, they've got uh, they've got Gabby Abonahor back. He played a grand total of one minute under Remy God. Right. Um, it's it's. I mean, he's a player that's never come close to filling fulfilling a great deal of potential that he had, and it's a bit tragic, really, that he he still is there talisman if you like that either they've not bought somebody or developed somebody better than that to have as their main man and that Agbon Lahore with the quality that he has um, is Villa's star attraction if you like he's a record Premier League goal scorer is he? yeah that wow. explains a lot you would have thought that would be Dean Saunders or Dalian Atkinson wouldn't you? yeah somebody Dwight York, well Dwight York's the obvious one yeah no, it's um, it's Ag Um Other fixtures this weekend in the cup. You've got Colchester, Tottenham. Um, stop me if you think you can see a, an upset coming. Um, mm. Colchester, Tottenham, Arsenal, Burnley, uh, Bolton, Leeds, Berry Hull, Crystal Palace, Stoke, Nottingham Forest, Watford, uh, Oxford, Blackburn, Portsmouth, Bournemouth. Is that a derby? Uh, no, I think Portsmouth's even further away from Bournemouth than Southampton is. Is it? It's yeah. all, it's all up north, isn't it? For you, well, for you, of course. <laughs> uh, Reading, Walsall, Shrewsbury, Sheffield Wednesday, uh, West Brom, Peterborough, Liverpool, West Ham. Um, and the one that's probably given everybody a warm glow that they're all looking forward to, MK Dons, Chelsea. Yep, Chelsea going to play in their the supporters' heartland. <laughs> yeah, is, is there, is, are, there, are there two more hated teams <laughs> potentially in England than Milk Keynes and Chelsea? You can almost smell the plastic, can't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you reckon that was going to go? Do you see an upset on that one? <coughs> no, I think no. the have been shite all this season, haven't they? Yeah, they started okay and they've gone progressively worse, haven't they? There are little seeds of improvement in Chelsea and I think 
I mean, I think we talked about it briefly last week when uh, Alex, when we were on with Alex, and um, he said who's going to win the cup, and he said Middlesbrough flippantly, oh, and I, he did, yeah, and I shot that one down. Um, I said Chelsea because I think again Hiddink's going to want to try and galvanise them, and I think they're going to try and be hard to beat again. I mean, look at them the other day against Arsenal. You know, they pulled out a good result there, and although they're not, they're not back to their best, but you know, I can see Chelsea improving significantly between now and the end of the season, so... Yeah. I can't see them getting beat by Milton Keynes. Fair enough. Uh, right, should we do a five-a-side team? Go on, then. Go on, then. Right. Um, apologies for the confusion earlier on today. I did tweet that it would be um, Swansea that we're doing. It's not. It's uh, it's Norwich City. Um, this is one I've been quite looking forward to, because... They were, I mean, we, me and Alex were saying last week, they came third in the first ever Premier League season. And they were there, thereabouts for the first sort of three, four years of the Premier League. And then they've been yo-yoing ever since. So you've got, you can go quite far back to choose some players, can't you? Yeah, I mean, weren't they the first team to top the Premier League the first, at the first Christmas of the Premier League? Yeah, it was, remember it was their Aston Villa Manchester United going for the first title? Yeah, they, they finished third, I think. Yeah. Um... So, what we look for here, we look for one goalkeeper, one defender, and any three other players. So, I've gone for uh, Brian Gunning goal. I've been a bit sneaky and put Chris Sutton in defence, because he did start off as a defender. Uh, and then I've gone for um, Grant Holt, Darren Eady, and Darren Huckabee. Um, Ross has gone for Brian Gunn, Chris Sutton, uh, Eady Huckabee, and Dean Ashton. At ARPM 57, still hanging on in there, he's gone for Brian Gunn. Uh, Mark Bowen, Rule Fox, Nathan Redmond, and Grant Holt, and you've gone for. Uh, I went for Gunn in goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bit of a flexible defence come midfield of Sutton and Bowen, mm-hmm. and then an uh, attack midfield kind of fluid system of Rule Fox and Darren Huckabee. Okay, so everyone's gone for Brian Gunn, so we'll stick Brian Gunn in goal. Um, Fair enough. I mean, he was, he was solid enough. Great hair, too. A big forehead. Yeah. The yeah. original Javinia. Ooh. That's harsh. <laughs> um, so in defence, we've got Chris Sutton with three votes, which I think is people being sort of flexible with uh, numbers. Um, and then Mark Bowen, who famously hit the crossbar and cost Wales a place at the 94 World Cup. So maybe we should go for him. Was it, was it Mark Bowen? Yes. He missed penalty? Against, yeah, against was it Germany. No, was that not Paul Bowden? Paul Bo- I thought it was Mark Bowen. Yeah, on Wikipedia, I think it was Paul Bowden. He played left back for like Swindon or Coventry or somebody. Paul- I'm pretty sure it wasn't Bowen. But you can check it. Paul Bowden. Never heard of him. He, he had blonde hair. Probably a tash. You don't be watching films again, have you? <laughs> not those, not not specialist <laughs> films. No, yeah. Let's let's look him up while we go through the team here. Right. Well, he played twenty three times for Wales between nineteen ninety four. So it could have been him. Paul Bowden. Let's have a look. Oh, it was him. He missed the penalty when the score was one one in Wales' decisive nineteen ninety four World Cup qualifier home to Romania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They subsequently lost two one. Oh, there we go. Blaming the wrong man there. Yeah, for years I've been um, I've been blaming the wrong guy. Okay, so 
Sutton, <coughs> should, go, should go for Chris Sutton because he's a bit more versatile, isn't he? Yeah, and for all he was a big man, and I think a lot of people confused the fact that he was actually a very good player with his feet. I can't stand him as a pundit, though. No, you know, he is a bitter gobshite, isn't he? He is. He's very bitter. He is, isn't he? Yeah, he... Um... Going bankrupt must do that for you. Is that what he's done, is it? Oh, yeah, you, yeah, and then he ended up as manager of Lincoln briefly a year or two ago. But, yes, he did, um, didn't he? Oh, yeah, I, I can't stand to hear him on the telly just God almighty he seems quite nasty doesn't he he has got a bit of stomach in him definitely yeah yeah I'm, I'm glad I'm not alone in that um, right so everyone that's got two votes we've got Grant Holt with two votes Darren Ely with two votes and Darren Huckabee with two votes is there any of those that you don't want um, I think Ely was a good player and that um, a good tricky player but he's not in the uh, Equivalent player, I don't think he was anywhere as good as Rule Fox. He was excited. The thing is, he was injured, wasn't he, quite a lot? He was, yeah. He, that didn't help his career, certainly. No. I found this one quite difficult to choose because I nearly picked Ashley Ward as well because he'll guarantee you goal. So, I mean, I, ne- I also nearly ah, picked Rule Fox. You wouldn't pick Ashley Ward because if we're playing proper five-a-sides, you can't just lump the ball forward or cross it into the box. You've got to keep it below head height. And Ashley Ward were made most of his physicality but he was a bit of a donkey it got you loads of goals you remember it was whenever a team came up they would always buy Ashley Ward Barnsley bought him as well didn't they well I mean that there you go that says it all that's like saying well Jeff Horsfield got you a lot of goals because Birmingham brought him in and then Fulham brought him into the Premier League but he was exactly the same just a big lump of a player who could hold it up and cause a bit of trouble but I think your definition of loads and mine is a bit different <laughs> ok fair enough alright well we'll go with Real Fox then yeah, he was, he's a quality player. Okay, so anyone from Huckabee or um, Grant Holt? Grant Holt was a very underrated player. We can he was have... kind of the, kind of, not exactly, but kind of the Jamie Vardy of that time because he'd come up from non-league. Jamie Vardy? Yeah, because he, he because he'd come up from non-league, he'd certainly come up from the lower leagues. He played for Carlisle, he played for Shrewsbury. Uh, he might have even played non-league for someone like Barrow. And then he got to the Premier League having limited ability. And look at Jamie Vardy, he's done exactly the same thing. Yeah, but they're two completely different players. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not saying I could probably outspring Grant Holt. I'm not saying their style, but just their route to the top is the same. There's parallels there. So would you want him as some kind of target man up front? Not in five aside. No. What's the point in that? You want somebody who's fast and nimble. Hence why I would go for somebody like Hooker, because he would just, he would just drive at you. And, you know step a yard to the side and get a shot off I did like Darren Hooker I mean, we both picked him so we'll go with him then there you go he was a very skillful player remember that goal he scored for Norwich against um, Manchester United not Norwich Coventry yeah <coughs> exactly fantastic so we've got uh, Nathan Redman with one vote Dean Ashton with one vote uh, Darren Eady with two votes so we've got to pick one of those players um, Dean Ashton could have been brilliant but he was just injured all the while wasn't he yep um he wasn't actually at Norwich that long. I think, you know, we've had this debate on a couple of teams where we've picked somebody based on the fact they were there six months, but it's been a Premier League team who have only been a Premier League team for six months or a year. Yeah. I think, yeah, somebody like Huckabee, for example, had been at Norwich in the Premier League much longer than, well, I, I think he was, longer than Ashton ever was. Although Ashton was a great player and could have been a very, very good player had injuries not just continually 
held him back. Well, should we give, should... They cashed in on him as soon as they got relegated. <laughs> they did. Should we give him a, a second lease of life then, should we? We could do, again, another big man with who was surprisingly good with his feet. Go on, should we give him a, a second... We'll give him another go, should we? Why not? I've not seen him on telly for quite some time. Oh, I saw him the other day. I can't remember what, what show it was on now. Oh, was it? Because he's been on Football Focus and things like that quite a lot. Maybe it was that, but I, I, I was thinking the same thing, actually. And then he popped up on my telly about a day or two later. Yeah. And it was only just the weekend gone, so I can't remember what it was. We're having him with his natural hair. We're not having him with dyed hair, are we? I don't think he's got any hair now. No, well, that's okay. Then he went blonde, didn't he? He went sort of bleach blonde for a while, didn't he? Mm. He did a Robbie Fowler. He did a Romania 1998. Yes. Uh, so that's our team then. We've got Brian Gunning goal, uh, Chris Sutton in defence, who can also play elsewhere, uh, Real Fox, Darren Huckabee, and Dean Ashton. That's not a bad team, actually, is it? It'd be a good side in the football and traditions of Norwich City. Yeah. Uh, right, I'm going to pick a team out of my hat for next week. We're getting towards the end, so we've not got many left. Um, and I'm going to pick out Arsenal. Ooh, that'd be a tough one. That'd be good. There that'd be go. a tough one. That's so to probably two or three nailed on, and then I think there'll be quite a few arguments over the other couple of places. Uh, you might be right, yeah. Glenn Heldy, you mean? John Jensen. Well, I mean, they're the ones that I'm saying have got a place sewn up. Yeah, exactly. And then Alex Malinga in goal. Um, yeah. Igor well. Stepanov's in defence. <laughs> Francis Jeffers up front. Francis Jeffers up front. There's our team. There you go. Brilliant. You don't need to do it. Jobs are good. <laughs> uh, right, if you agree with that Norwich team or not, you can um, send us a tweet to at man on the post uh, and you can let us know what you think and you can also send us your Arsenal teams as well. Um... Ross and Adam and the guys will be back on Sunday, hopefully. Uh, I think we've got a special guest coming as well. Uh, Mark, are there any football pinks coming out soon? Uh, yes, there are. The issue um, 11 is out on February the 5th. Anything interesting in that to look forward to? Um, there's a quite a lot of interesting stuff, actually. Can you give us a sneak preview? Any, any, any particular articles to look out for? Um, well, you, you've got one in there. You're interviewing James Montague, the the world football expert who goes around the world and digs a bit deeper behind the surface of football. Yeah. Um, we've got bits and pieces about a uh, Hungarian footballer who was executed by the state in the 50s. Oh, good. That uh, sounds a happy read. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice and not not particularly happy ending there. <laughs> Um, got a bit about Rangers and Celtic coming down to the Premier League, which never, never truly leaves the agenda, despite everybody wishing it would. Yeah. Um, a bit about Sporting Everton, funny enough, in the 1990s. Oh, those halcyon days. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, read the article and you'll find out how that actually made us more fervent rather than have the opposite effect. Okay, so if they want to buy one of these, they, um, can they contact you? How do they contact you on Twitter? <coughs> Twitter at the Football Pink. And what's the website if they want to go that way and buy one? Footballpink.net. Although we've got a, a shop, but the, all the links are on the website. All right, so we're there. Um, okay, uh, so I've given you the names of the, the, uh, your Twitter name. At Man of the Post is the Twitter account for sales to get your Norwich replies or Arsenal teams in for us. 
manandpost.com is the website as well should you want to make your feelings known there if you really like us you can rate and review us on iTunes uh, it really really helps push us up the charts so any positive reviews we get are all very gratefully received um, so then all that remains to be said is thank you for listening and always remember to keep your man in the post Don't move, lads. I think I've got an idea.